This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. I don't think that you win the internet by being like health food. I don't think you win the internet just by saying like, I'm the good thing to do. You should do this because it's the right thing to do. I just don't, I think people on the internet like cat videos and they like to have fun and they they have amygdalas in their brains that need to be like tickled with all kinds of, um, you know, endorphins in order for them to repeat a behavior. And so I'm trying to make Bookshop kind of a fun place to be. There's a lot of white space. The buttons are bright pink and it's not stuffy. You know, the lists are fun and it's going to get more fun with the branding. Like I want it to be like, I love this place because they do the right thing and it's in line with my values. But also, I just have more fun shopping there than I do anywhere else. This was Andy Hunter of bookshop.org, which is rather successfully on a mission to disrupt Amazon's book sales and put them back into the hands of bookstores. He sees his brand to be the MC and he hands the mic over to the people who sell and love books. A mesmerizing uphill battle that you can witness him slowly winning through passion, dedication, and shared values between bookshop.org, physical bookstores, and last but not least, book buyers that care about more than next day shipping. As an author, it was wonderful to have Andy on the show, but also as a brand builder, since there is a lot to be learned from how he and his team created a disruptive and beloved brand in just two years. Here is my conversation with Andy Hunter. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, it's it's such a pleasure to finally have you. I was I was flirting with the idea of trying to get you on for a long, long time, and I, I'm I'm so glad I finally did. Um, you know, I, I'm an author, obviously, right? So I'm I'm very familiar with with your space. Um, I I've been watching your brand grow over the years. But is it true that that Bookshop.org is just a bit over two years old? That kind of blows my mind, since since it seems like such an institution. Yeah, we're actually a bit under two years old. Wow. Um, January 28th is when we launched, January 28th, 2020. So we're about as old as COVID. Um, wow. <laughs> and I think COVID, COVID really altered the fates of uh, us as a company too. Well, yeah. Let's uh, be, before before we get into that topic because it is it is a big topic. Uh, it's, <laughs> you know, if you um, if if you launch in that year, let, let's talk a little bit about about you know why you brought bookshop to to life um you know which which you know in layman's terms uh you know i i think it's really basically creating an alternative to amazon and and celebrating indie stores but but tell us a little bit more about what drove you to create the brand it's obviously it's it's a fight that you're in uh it's an uphill battle it's you know it's a huge conglomerate <laughs> it's hard to get booksellers yeah. minds to change and all of that so so what drove you and 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 how, you know how did you get to where where it is today well, you know, I'm a book person and I've been in the publishing world for about 10 years. But before that, I was in magazines and building audiences. And before that, I was doing um, B2B software and e-commerce stuff for companies like Disney and MGM. So I had a weird background that was hmm. 
partially like tech and partially content and audience building and all that. So I had all of these different experiences that gave me a skill set which was relatively unique in my industry. When I got into publishing, I thought that this would be the end, like this would be my home because I always loved books more than anything else. And uh, the fact that I got to start actually publishing books um, and starting a bunch of popular websites about books, including Electric Literature, Literary Hub. Literary Hub is 25 million readers a year, it's, um, I, which I co-created, and Catapult Books, which publishes books, and all these great entrepreneurial endeavors in the book space. Um, I thought I would be done, but I the whole time <laughs> I was watching as Amazon grew and grew, and, and I watched as Amazon went from in 2015, when I started Catapult, Amazon was about 37% of the book market. By the time 2019 rolled around, it was about 50% of the book market. Wow. And that market share came out of everyone else's um, pockets, especially independent or local brick-and-mortar bookstores. And that's happening at the same time that, in general, e-commerce is growing, like 17% year-over-year. So it seems like... E-commerce isn't going away. More and more people are going to buy stuff online. And if Amazon keeps growing at its rate, which is 8% year hmm. over year, it's going to be at 80% of every book sold in 2025, which for me as a person who loves books, I understand that that's really going to be devastating to the whole ecosystem around books. It means that kind of in a way, everybody's working for Amazon at that point. Well, and it's a monopoly, right? Which is, which, is, yeah. which is scary in itself. It, especially for something like books, because books are so important. Like, I don't think that any single technology has um, contributed to the evolution of human consciousness and societies like books have. Like, books changed everything. And they are how, like, we expand our knowledge as human beings and continue on. And they're, like, they're too precious to entrust to any single retailer. Even if Amazon was the most benevolent company in the world... Um, you still wouldn't want them to completely control a major cultural industry like books. And so so I felt like, God, somebody's going to do something. And I kept waiting for somebody to do something, somebody who had more resources than me and better connections than me. And nobody ever did. And so at, in 2019, I'm like, you know, we have to create a version of of e-commerce for book selling that can support local, small independent businesses like like the bookstores that i grew up with and love to visit in every little community and there's so many studies and um, evidence that bookstores really benefit communities in many many ways they're all like every one of them is an activist for the importance of books in that community and they work with schools they work with book clubs they bring authors to town they just like they're activists telling people every day books are important they're also really great for downtowns they they make mm -hmm. the the value of a downtown higher if it has a bookstore in it, and so they they benefit the whole community in, in so many ways. And if Amazon gets from, they're probably at sixty percent of book sales now. If they get to from sixty to eighty, most of those stores are not going to be around. Um, and that's going to happen in the next four or five years if if somebody doesn't do something to help independent bookstores compete with Amazon for market share. And that's basically Bookshop's origin story is like, I, I was like, we had to do something about it. So I wanted to build it. Yeah, no, well, 
it's amazing. And, and I mean, let's t- let's talk about that launch uh, because launching anything, well, almost anything in 2020 was a nightmare. Uh, but but here you came in to basically save bookstores in a time where they needed it most, right? And 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 provide them, uh, you know, with, with with the thing that they didn't have, which is an online outlet, right? An e-commerce opportunity, which is really easy for them to quote unquote plug and play. Um, but but not everyone thought you were the savior they 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 needed. Like like how was that 2020 launch and why did not every bookstore just flock to you with open arms? I mean it seems like they really needed you. Yeah, well when we launched we had four people we were um and myself we were in beta it was january 20th 2020 um <laughs> we had a long view i was thinking that a holiday season would be when we really shone and we would have almost a a year to fix bugs and improve the platform um so i was thinking really september would be when we we really w- tried to get competitive and instead six weeks after we launched COVID hit every bookstore in the country went into lockdown. They couldn't put their employees' health at risk by having them come in. They couldn't fulfill orders. They basically could only sell online or go to to business. And so we had this massive onboarding of stores. There's around 2,000 new bookstores, bookstores that sell new books in the country. And we onboarded 1,100 of them in just a few months. And we went from doing $50,000 in sales completely in February to doing about $200,000 to $750,000 of sales a day by the time June hit. So it was absolutely insane. It was also a totally white-knuckled ride. (laughs) Nobody was sleeping. Everybody was getting up, like going to bed at 11 p.m., getting up at 5 a.m., trying to keep the system up, trying to keep it from crashing, trying to make sure that the orders were fulfilled because it was madness. Um, and we <laughs> trying to hire people and grow the team because we went from being a $0 business to that June, we, we made over $10 million in a month and we we're getting all these customers. It was crazy. And all these bookstores were like, thank God you came along. Like we wouldn't have been able to survive the pandemic without you. Now you asked like, why weren't we fully embraced? There's a couple of reasons. One, of bookstores in the country did not have successful e-commerce platforms. And so we were really, really useful to the stores that hadn't invested anything in technology that didn't have a mastery over e-commerce that weren't good at it. And that's like a lot of stores, but there are some stores that are really good at e-commerce and that put a lot of time and energy and money into their own sites. And so they were more like, "Who, who is this new site? And everybody who, you know, I want them supporting my store via my website. And yet they're, you know, bookshop.org customers are thinking that that's where they should go to support independent bookstores. So even though that's only 10% of stores, it's still 200 stores. And so those stores are going to be much, have much more mixed feelings about um, a consumer solution that is sending customers to it instead of their personal websites. Now, I do think that that resistance from those stores has gone away quite a bit because also People didn't know who we are. You know, they didn't know what our mm-hmm. values were. They didn't know if we were just going to like sell it to Amazon or do something like shady. So, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about startups and e-commerce in general, especially in the book world, which is that's what uh, I was thinking. Like physical physical yeah. books, you know, yeah. so they're not going to jump on the bandwagon right away. So there was skepticism for for a couple of reasons. But we we were always understanding that skepticism. We never um 
you know, never argued with anyone. We just tried to demonstrate what our values were every single day. And um, by now, I, I almost never encounter any anybody that has reservations because we've earned so much money for bookstores. You know, it's over $21 million worldwide. Wow. And like right now, I'm in the process of distributing another $1.5 million to bookstores. Um, bookstores, some of which aren't even using bookshop.org. They just, as long as you have a physical bookstore, um, you can qualify for receiving funding from us, even if you don't use us for e-commerce. So, How does that so work? we're trying to lift all boats. Oh, they just sign up. They basically, if they're an accredited bookstore with the American Bookseller Association, um, we just give 10% of our profits into a profit sharing pool. And anybody who has a bookstore qualifies because we didn't want to exclude bookstores that already had great websites. We want to support them just like we support the bookstores who wow. use us for e-commerce. That is amazing. And I mean, that's how you show that you that you walk the talk, right? That this is not, well, you have to sign up and be and be on our side, you know, sell on our side. Otherwise, you don't you don't get anything from us, but you actually really spread that uh that that love with 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 the entire community um, of accredited booksellers. It's that's amazing. Yeah, because we're mission based. We really are who we say we are. We really are like we're in this to make sure that like our children grow up with bookstores. That bookstores stay a part of our cultural fabric. And we think bookstores are really special places, and they're staffed by really special people. I mean, nobody goes into bookselling because they want to get rich. They go into bookselling because yeah. they love books and so they're really passionate special people and we just want to keep it all going and honestly like there's a lot of human happiness involved in small businesses and in small communities and our overall societal trend towards digital monopolists and big box retailers hollowing out people's downtowns and breaking down the community bonds that that used to hold society together isn't really a good thing and you don't have to disrupt everything that was good about society in order to like make the new digital age. Like you can actually create digital institutions that reinforce the things that were good about society before. Everybody thinks about disruption as like replacing something mm -hmm. and breaking it down and, and laying waste to it and replacing it. But we're like using um, digital disruption to reinforce the things that we think are worth saving. Well, you can disrupt something that is that is not necessarily positive, right? And then you can disrupt it in a positive way, like like you do. Do you feel in Do you feel to a certain extent that what you built with Bookshop is, in a way, a movement? I hope so. I mean, I think it's part of a movement that is not just isolated to us. I would put socially conscious cons consumption in general as a movement that people are more and more waking up to partially because of things like global warming or pesticides or just e-waste like overall people are more aware that the small consumer choices they make every day where they buy their food how they throw away their things like if they're excessive consumers or not um, those things are shaping the world that we live in and that everybody has a responsibility towards the future and we're creating that future with our with our consumption habits. So that is a movement that is much bigger than bookshop.org. We're just a small part of that. Now, a lot of those people are readers. A lot of people who like books are also socially conscious. So that works out really well for us because our message and, and mission mm -hmm. is aligned with what they already care about. But those people are also probably looking at alternative forms of energy. They're looking at ways to buy local or buy organic. 
they're looking at ways to reduce recycle that kind of thing Re they look at carbon footprints and they try to shop from carbon neutral businesses things like that so that's the movement that we're part of i don't think that we started that movement but we're happy to be part of it absolutely um and with 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 any two-sided marketplace the, the big question is always you know chicken before egg like what's going on like who do you who do you actually market to initially and, and how do you craft different brand messages for two different audiences uh, you know while still staying true to the core of your brand but but to you that core of the brand seems to work uh for for booksellers just as well as the book buyers because there's this shared there's a shared belief in what is right right um but 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 how 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 did you how did you build out the audience side of thing because it's one thing to get the booksellers to be on your platform but then how do you, how how do you get people to know that there is bookshop.org and 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 what you stand for and i mean i'm sure it's an uphill <laughs> it's an uphill battle like anything yeah. right um but but how did that work initially once you had the first stores on how did you how did you ensure the stores or is it not a problem because the stores bring their own bring their own customers well that's it's definitely a little bit of both um we we did sort of guerrilla publicity i hired an independent publicist because i had experience doing magazine editorial for years and running websites that cover things i i knew how to pitch we got great great media in the beginning and some of those articles went viral um there were a lot of people looking for ways to support small businesses when COVID hit and we benefited from that um, and also there were people in the media who were looking for feel-good stories at a time that everybody was feeling like really upset and mm. and fearful. And so they were like, oh wait, this is this nice thing that's happening. They're, you know, they're saving hundreds of bookstores. And um, so that story took off for those reasons. So a lot of it was just organic. And that then those stories going viral on social media and being passed around friends that also cared about bookstores and cared about books. And we really benefited from that. Now, the, the other side of it is definitely capturing the, the audiences of our stores. Like if we have 1,100 stores, now we have 1,300. But at the time that we kind of crested after um, our launch, we had 1,100. And every one of those stores might just have 1,000 customers that they bring to us. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, and that's generally how I believe that we're going to be competitive with Amazon. Because we also have an affiliate program and we've got 50,000 affiliates. Some of those affiliates bring in two customers. It doesn't matter yeah. because altogether we have over 2 million customers that we've brought from our stores and affiliates. And, and that's like, instead of saying like, oh, well, Amazon has 150 million customers. How are you ever going to beat them? You're like, well, how do we create a tool that's so useful for all these tiny little subcultures and tiny stores and influencers and podcasts and et cetera, et cetera, that, that they all let their audience know about us. And then we cobble together audiences of thousands of small communities. And that's how we get a customer base that, that can make it competitive with Amazon. And we're just beginning. I mean, honestly, even though I think we've been phenomenally successful compared to what people thought we would be able to do, um, we're probably only about 1% or so of Amazon's book sales. And I think we can Either easily like quadruple it from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's uh, well, congrats on your success so far. Because in my little introductory statement, um, I, I I really meant that that you know, bookshop.org to me, you've been around four or five years, like you know, that's just how it feels to me as far as as far as how the brand resonates with people, and it just seems like it's always been around. Um, so kudos 
to you on that because that's kind of important in the world of branding <laughs> that did you feel like yeah. well you know they're, they're part of our they're part of our fabric right um so so that's fantastic there's one thing that i that i saw last night on bookshop um uh, because of course i wanted to first make sure that my book is on there right that was important um, otherwise i would have canceled the interview <laughs> no <laughs> um, but yeah. i but i you know i i looked at i looked at my books and, and some some other people's books and i realized that there are no book ratings or reviews. Is, is it, did I just click on the wrong books, or is it something that you do intentionally? It's it's not so much intentional as it's a resources issue. We <laughs> when we launched, we we went um, from the U.S. and then the U.K. bookstores were having big problems. They had even fewer options um, than bookstores in the U.S. had, where almost none of the stores in the U.K. had websites. And they were all like, if we don't have something by the holidays, like we're all cooked, please come to the UK. So we, wow. as soon as we got our stuff together in the US, we started building our UK site and we launched that in November. And then we launched the site in Spain in May. And so we've only had the chance. And then at that point, we're like, let's stop expanding internationally and start making our site better. Mm. And user reviews and things like that are going to be part of making the site better. But we also want them to be a in a non-abused manner like the, the mm -hmm. amazon reviews have turned into garbage and it's, well, it's easily a game exploited, right so, yeah exactly yeah yeah so we want to create user reviews within a system that actually has user profiles where people can set reading goals they can exchange opinions about books and it becomes closer to like you would find on goodreads or where, where a reader can feel like oh this is my home my reading home and as i like set a reading goal for the year i can gamify that and you know congratulate people when they buy books and all that so we are going to have reviews but they're going to be part of a system that that brings a lot of value to the customers and and i think because of that it'll be less easy to game and then the reviews will be better for for everybody that is a fascinating topic, um, and we should talk about this more offline because I actually uh, I actually uh, brainstormed a lot about how a system like this could work. <laughs> so maybe 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 I give you some of some of my notes um, because as as, as 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 you know because we talked prior, um, uh, I I also run this thing called Librelli where we allow authors to 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 have you know a drop down with a lot of links to different sites so that people don't just click on Amazon but they can actually buy the book from different places and it's automatic updated and with that same company um we've been also you know we, we started thinking about like how can reviews how, how can that be handled better so that that is a fascinating topic to me for for sure but let's let's move over to the to the brand to the brand part of the conversation um you know i, I mean this is a very plain brand comment but I, I i really love your logo how how did that come about was it part of a redesign at some point or did you did you launch with it no it was um my buddy's wife who was a designer um and when i was creating the pitch deck i asked him for his help um we had worked on a few things before and and i knew his wife was a good designer so she put together some ideas and the the logo is just a b that is made from two stack books mm -hmm. but it also sort of looks like a store awning if you look at it it could look like a b it could mm -hmm. look like two books on top of each other but it could also look like an awning of a store so it's kind of got three ways to read it visually which all of which kind of tie into our message so so that was great now we are we are doing a brand refresh um with some professionals um so we are we're keeping that core idea but i think we're gonna spruce it up and make it a little better um 
and we we thought a lot about our brand voice and like who we are. We consider ourselves MCs. So hmm. the bookstores are the stars, but as a brand, we try to just put them forward. I think we're more effective when the stores are kind of telling their stories and we're driving customers that way. So if you go to our homepage, you'll see it's almost all curated lists from our stores. Like our stores rotate in and out. They might write a list of like the 20 best science fiction books published last year. We'll put that on our homepage for a while. If um, it's like Black History Month, then they might curate a bunch of lists. Um, in that theme, we'll put those on our homepage so that we're always kind of promoting our stores and our stores contents and putting those up front. And same on social media, we try to um, always put the spotlight on our stores. And so we're that's the way we express our mission. And that's the way our brand works with all of these other brands, because it's an interesting position to be sort of this umbrella. And underneath it, you have so many small businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and you want them to be able to have their own branding and their own vibe as well so we're always kind of playing with that concept i love i love that uh, thought of being the mc um that that that's really that's really brilliant and 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 for a lot of reasons not you know not not just for for you know elevating elevating their own brands and celebrating them and their content and their thinking and you know their worlds uh and their tribes but it's it's also fantastic for you because I just got off the call with with a client this morning, and the biggest problem that they have, and a lot of companies have, is they have no time to create content. I mean, it takes time to create quality content, and here you are having having a tribe of you know thirteen hundred or you know <laughs> many more at this point, um, you know store owners who who love to create lists and who love to talk about books and uh, and 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 leveraging them and putting them on a pedestal. Um, I mean, it, it it just it just works both ways. Yeah, and another thing that's wonderful about it is that we always look for ways that we are not Amazon, where we can make it really clear to customers, like, this is not mm -hmm. Amazon. And Amazon, the recommendations come to you for two from two ways. One, an algorithm could tell you about a book because they think that they know your taste by what your books you've bought before. Or number two, a publisher could pay them to promote a book to you. And a lot of it is paid promotion now. AMS is a huge huge revenue driver for them which mm -hmm. is amazon's marketing services so so you know there's not a lot in the way of actual human beings recommending books when you go to amazon but bookshop is all human recommendations there's no algorithms involved it's all like hmm. we have people who are passionate about their books um and they're passionate about if they're if it's you know american history then they're passionate about that they're creating great content around that and we're just surfacing it for you because if you think about your own reading history, if I think about my reading history, I buy and read books when somebody I trust tells me I should read them. When it's a, if it's a person that I know, like my friend, um, my mom, my wife, you know, I might buy a book and read it. If it's Oprah Winfrey or Barack Obama or an influencer that I respect, I might want to read a book. If it's if I Time say that magazine, you should read my book, yeah, you should read my book. Exactly. <laughs> I, and I, but it's true. If I trust you and I think that you're interesting, then I would want to read your book. Well, Andy, I'm working on it. I'm books. working on it. <laughs> I don't think people buy books because computers no, you're tell right. them yeah. that, that their algorithm tells them to buy a book. I just don't think that's the way human psychology works. And so I think it's really refreshing um, that Bookshop is filled with personal recommendations. And also, it just creates a feeling that you're on this buzzing hive of 
of book lovers, which gives the customer a sense of personality and community, which they wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and and a, a lot of a lot of uh, listeners are are in the marketing and brand field. Uh, lots of them are entrepreneurs. They all struggle with how do I name my business? How do I name my you know my my client's business? You named it bookshop, uh, which is really bold because on the one hand that's what that's you know i mean that that is as as to the point as you can be that you're one of your tribe and that's what you that's what you do you put bookshops online and that's the place but it's also tricky right i mean it's tricky to to, to own bookshop as as a name right it's, it must be hard to legally protect it's hard to use as a standalone without being coupled with the .org but but tell us a little bit about the strategy behind it and 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 how did it work out so far how is it being embraced yeah, it's worked out great. Um, my belief is that if you can tell from something's name what it is, that thing has a an inherent advantage over anything that you you know where where the name doesn't tell you what it is. And I saw so many startups in the book space come up with weird names that weren't recognizable, um, that often were made up words, and they go nowhere. Whereas, like I created. Like my websites, Electric Literature, Literary Hub, like you know <laughs> from hearing those names what they're going to be about generally. And so, Bookshop, it just made sense to have something where not only would everybody know what it's about, but they would understand it immediately and they could remember it forever. Like it's really easy to remember. Mm -hmm. So, it is true that it's just it's descriptive. And because it's descriptive, it cannot be trademarked as a term because we are selling books and we're bookshop like the trademark office is not going to let us right. own the word bookshop forever we can own bookshop.org and we can own our logo but we can't own the word bookshop but because we've got a lot of people linking to us we're almost always number one on google for bookshop so you know it it ended up working out great and i'm really happy with that decision um, I so bold. I go but, back and do it another way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really, really bold. And I, I, I love, I love the thinking behind it. And, and quite frankly, something that you said earlier in the interview, um, you know, where, where you said that some people were apprehensive. They're like, "Oh my God, it's digital. Does that mean you're going to be another Amazon sooner or later? Right now, you're going to sell to Amazon." Well, the name itself implies that you're not going to become a marketplace for anything else. Right? This is about one yeah. thing and one thing only, and that's what you celebrate. So. Um, lo looking looking back, what was what was a big breakthrough moment? Uh, you know, in in with Bookshop, um, wh where you felt like, you know, what this is, this is really going to work. You know, e everyone has this moment, right? I mean, for you, it might have even been been directly uh, or indirectly associated with 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 the pandemic. But was there a moment where you just felt like, wow, this this is it? We're we're actually this is a thing now. Yeah. Well. In the pandemic, I mean, by mid-March, we started seeing sales go up. And so I knew that it was going to be uh, embraced as a solution to lockdowns. But that did not mean it would work forever. It just meant that we were going to see a huge rush in sales for a short time period. But by June, um, in the US, there were the protests around the murder of George Floyd. And because of the protests, there was a lot of interest in anti-racist books and there was a lot of interest in supporting black owned businesses and so black owned bookstores started using bookshop to create anti-racist reading lists of like books by james baldwin or ibram kendi um 
books that they felt that people who were interest, more interested in anti-racism and Black Lives Matter should, should know about. And then those lists that they were able to generate with our tools went viral and started driving hundreds of thousands of dollars in book sales to these tiny little stores. Hmm. And the thing about that is that they never could have fulfilled those orders if, they, if, if those had actually come into the store and it wasn't for us being able to fulfill the orders for them, they never would have been able to do it. They would have been completely overwhelmed. People would have had to wait four or five months for those books. It would have been a disaster. But the way Bookshop works, we hook up with a wholesaler. The wholesaler actually packs the books and sends them to the customer. So a bookstore can actually sell like 50,000 books off of a viral list, which is what happened in June, um, without actually having to touch a book. They don't have to go to the post office. They don't have to mm -hmm. buy 50,000 mailers and print out 50,000 mailing labels. And that would just be insane. And to get even the cartons and cartons of books from the publisher to repack, like they wouldn't have the space for that. But because of Bookshop, they were able to do that all and not break a sweat. And they, some of the businesses got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in extra funding because of that. And I just saw how powerful the platform could be, especially list going viral. I mean, I had, as a publisher, I had seen lists go viral my whole life. Like the 20 best science fiction books ever read might be a very popular article on a, on a book website, but now they're, they're monetizable and they can, um, all go to a single bookstore that invents them, et cetera. If you search for best graphic novels 2021 right now, the top hit on Google will be a bookstore that created a best graphic novels list on bookshop.org. Hmm. And now they're getting all the traffic and all the sales from that, from that Google search, which is wild. So that's really when I realized how game-changing this could be is when I realized a small bookstore in Chicago, a neighborhood bookstore, could suddenly be selling books to everybody all over the country hmm. And at scale without any overhead. That's amazing. That I mean that that is really that is really amazing. Um, let's uh, yeah, yeah, we 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 talked we talked about uh, you know how uh, how 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 your brand came about. You you you're currently in midst of a midst of a of a rebranding or a brand adjustment or an upgrade or you know however you want to talk yeah. talk about. It. Um, what does what does branding mean to you? Like, you know, it's it's one of these words where a lot of people think, oh, it's the logo, right? And some other people think, well, it's the philosophy and some other there there are a lot of different ways. And in a way, branding is is kind of like a it's it's a word that that needs to be rebranded. It's got it's got pretty bad, <laughs> pretty bad rap. Um, you know, the brand legacy isn't so great. Um what what does it mean to you now that you 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 build multiple brands? Um what does it mean to you as a, as an actual entrepreneur? Yeah, well, well, you know, let's talk about the bad reputation that the word has, because yep. I think that if you examine that, it's because people feel like they're trying to be tricked by the brand, that like a brand might pretend it's your friend or pretend it's about sunshine and lying around in a field <laughs> with your loved ones. But what they're really doing is like poisoning the environment or, you know, using um, exploitive labor and it's like all of indictment of capitalism and and that branding itself is like advertising just a manipulation um, and so that's I think the why, the reason that people kind of get the heebie-jeebies because they're like well okay Coca-Cola might mean happiness but 
what is the behavior of Coca-Cola Corporation? And mm -hmm. is it up to my moral standards? Um, and I don't know if it is or not. I'm not saying anything bad about Coke because I, I don't I haven't done the research. But <laughs> but in general, I think there's skepticism that about consumers um, about like what if brands are really what they pretend to be. Um, so for me, branding is is all about authenticity and it's about trust. It's about making sure our customers can trust us and because we're a socially conscious brand. We are. Our appeal is like you're doing something good by shopping at us instead of on Amazon. You would probably get the book for the same price or less if you shopped it on Amazon. You could probably get it really quickly. Like Amazon is really hard to beat on price and efficiency. So why are you shopping at Bookshop? Well, you're shopping because you have values. And so the brand branding for us overall is to inspire a trust and um, make sure that people understand our mission and feel like their our mission is aligned with their values um so that's the overall goal and mm -hmm. then i would say my secondary goal with it is that it's kind of fun like bookshop i don't think we're all the way there and, and with the next round of branding it's going to be even more fun but i don't think that you win the internet by being like health food i don't think you win the internet just by <laughs> saying like i am the good thing to do you should do this because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I just don't, I think people on the internet like cat videos and they like to have fun and they, they have amygdalas in their brains that need to be like tickled with all kinds of, um, you know, endorphins in order for them to repeat a behavior. Yeah. And so I'm trying to make bookshop kind of a fun place to be. There's a lot of white space. The buttons are bright pink and yeah. it's not stuffy. You know, the lists are fun. And it's going to get more fun with the branding. Like I want it to be like, I love this place because they do the right thing and it's in line with my values. But also I just have more fun shopping there than I do anywhere else. And if you I'm like hanging out there. Exactly. I, yeah. yeah, I like yeah. being there. And that's different and from think, Amazon too. So it's also a competitive advantage if you add towards that, right? Because people don't go to Amazon. They're like, oh, I love being here. This is a great yeah, community. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, and and you know now now that you just just told us about what's at the heart of uh, uh, what's at the heart of your your brand, what what is that? If you would if you would be able to kind of put it in one or two words, I know I put you on the spot here, but 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 what is I call it the brand DNA? Um, you know what what is one or two words or like a phrase where you feel like this is. At the at the end of the day, if you put the entire brand, everything we talked about, right, the two the suicided marketplace, uh, all of this through a funnel, what comes out? <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm gonna go with socially conscious, and, I, and I'll tell you why. There are a lot of socially conscious brands out there, so it's not unique to us. Um, but again, if somebody is buying from Bookshop instead of um, Target, Target sells books. They could be buying books on Amazon. Um, why are they doing it from us? Well, they're doing it because they're socially conscious people, because they want to support a local business, because they care about um, supporting authors and writer writers and authors and bookstores and the culture that that they love in a way that gives back. And, so, and that kind of socially conscious mindset is going to drive all the customers to us, and and that's the only competitive advantage we have, mm -hmm. um, you know, besides maybe the delight that I'm going to try to, we're going to try to emphasize. But um, I think that in the end, why shop at bookshop? Because instead of Amazon, the answer is always going to be because it's like, it aligns with my values. It's socially yeah. conscious. And so because that's you care, what I go with. right? That's why you do it. Yeah. Yeah. We care. care. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I was just going to say when I was trying to raise money for Bookshop, it took me so long to raise money, and I was trying to raise 1.2 million, which seems like might seem like a lot of money if you have never raised money before. But if you're yeah. a startup and you're trying to beat Amazon, like <laughs> 1.2 million is is not a lot of money. Um, but I wasn't even able to raise that. I ended up raising about 60% of that because every investor, when they found out we were competing with Amazon, were like, "Oh, forget no. about it. Yeah, roll all eye the, rolls. Oh, all the way. Yeah, of course, go home. Yeah, if you and, can't ship overnight, if you're not if you're not like Amazon Prime, why even bother, right? Yeah, and there's a kind of cynicism about that, right? Because they're saying, <laughs> "Oh, the only thing that matters to people is price and efficiency." Right, but that's not true. It's still not you true. know, there's certainly a, a segment of the market that cares about more than that. I totally, I totally agree with you, and I also agree with um, uh, everything you said about branding—that it's about authenticity and trust, and and it's not like advertising, you know, where it's like Joe Camel selling the cigarettes, right? I mean, like things have changed, yeah. right? And and people's values have changed. Um, uh, what what's next for the bookshop uh, brand? What are you excited about in the next six months? I know you you said that you're continuously working on the brand and on the site. Uh, you're expanding internationally, but now you're kind of like putting it on a hold to really look more inwards, right? And and to really optimize the brand. Yes. Okay. Well, broadly, I want to be the best place to buy a book on the internet. It's one of the best experience. I want you to be able to. If you're looking for kids' books, you should be able to flip through the first few pages as like you know in, a, in an interactive kind of fun way you should be able to flip through a cookbook um on our interface i want to be able to have user reviews i want to be able to have some of your personality there um and so customers feel great when they're there so the best place on the internet to buy a book and then on the other side of that coin is i want to be the best place on the internet to sell a book if you are a retailer that sells books, and you have to be a bookstore because we only let bookstores um, sell books on our platform as as book retailers. We do allow affiliates of all kinds to sell books on our platform, but for bookstores, I want us to be the best platform. I don't. I want us to be better than Shopify, better than like putting up a Squarespace site, better than any other option, um, so that when they go to their dashboard and they kind of arrange their product, they feel like, first of all, they're expressing their brand personality there, that they're able to, and that they understand what's going on, that they have the tools that they need to sell effectively online, and, and so that we can help them capture more market share. I mean, ultimately, I want independent bookstores to own at least 5% of the book market in the US, the online book market in the US. And right now, mm. they're hovering at maybe 1% or 2%. Um, and so giving them the tools they need to succeed is really important too. So the best place to sell a book on the internet, the best place to buy a book on the internet, I think that's enough. Like that's a lot of work. <laughs> that's and, a lot of work. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. that's where we're going to be going in the next couple of years. Uh, well, you know what they say, you have to manifest it publicly in order for you to be held accountable. So here you are on the air. It's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, well. Uh, now that we're coming slowly to an, to an end here, um, how can how can people follow you personally or or get to know bookshop.org? I guess I just answered the bookshop.org part. <laughs> yeah, visit bookshop.org. There are social links um, in the footer that you can follow if you want to follow us on Twitter, Instagram. We've got a great team um, doing our social media and give you great book recommendations and that kind of thing. Um, I have a Twitter, which I use intermittently um <laughs> but i'm not like hugely on social media um 
But if you wanted to follow me, you could follow me at AndyHunter777 on Twitter. Perfect. Fantastic. Well, Andy, thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your out of your busy days these days. Um, congratulations uh, on everything that you accomplished. Uh, th thank you for having bookshop bookshop.org for actually you know doing that and going through the, the the late nights and early mornings with your team to make this make this a reality. I think uh, as an as an author, um, uh, you know that that is something that is very dear to me to be to be able to allow people to actually buy my books from local stores and support them and and keep that entire community. Um, you know, afloat and, and and celebrate it and and make them succeed. So so thank you again for everything. And uh, it, it was it was a great pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks a lot. I had a great time. Disrupting Amazon through kindness, pretty brilliant. And if you're intrigued about Librelli, which I mentioned during this episode, it's a small startup of mine where we allow authors to share a lot of the places their books are being sold in real time, and where the readers actually would like to buy them from, then go to Librelli.com, L-I-B-R-E-L-I.com. So instead of just linking out to Amazon, which authors usually do, authors can now link to Target, Bookshop.org, Books A Million, Book Depository, etc., etc. And we are updating it 24-7 with new stores, or we eliminate the ones that don't carry that book anymore. So if you're an author or if you know one, go check out Librelli. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. If so, please subscribe, rate, and share the show. Yes, please do that. I say it all the time. Please act upon it. It would be really, really nice to see more ratings. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time, when we once again will be hitting the mark.